Let's bow together before the reading of Scripture. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Job said, I will treasure the words of your mouth more than my daily bread. Father, help us to have this same attitude as we listen, as we hear, not just, not just with our ears, but with our hearts. Through your Holy Spirit, quicken us, enliven us, so that we may hear, we may live, we may apply it to our lives. Help us as your people to trust and obey as we follow your word day by day in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Not very long. Verses 16, 17, and 18. The Apostle Paul writes, and he says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. You may not have realized it, but what the Apostle Paul just said, he just gave us three impossible commands. Be joyful, always pray, continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And if that's, if that's not bad enough... God's opinion of this is what? This is his will in Christ Jesus. I, I kind of wish Paul would have said something like, well, rejoice when you feel good, right? When things are going your way, when you're having a good day, then you can rejoice. And pray, well, pray often. Pray as much as you can. And then also give thanks. Well, try to be thankful. That's not always easy. So do your best, right? Do your best. And, you know, we, we want to say we're God's people. We, we read Scripture. We're listening now, and we say, yeah, I'm going to give it a try. But it's hard to be honest and say, I'm going to do that all the time, like the Holy Scriptures say. Who could even begin to start doing it? Or maybe a week from now, or today we say, well, we're going to make a commitment, right? It's Thanksgiving week. We're going to make a commitment to do these things. And then next week we come together and we say, well, I did my best. I kept my commands this past week. I did it all. There wasn't a single moment when I wasn't rejoicing, praying, or giving thanks. Not a single moment. And Paul doesn't give us any explanation on how or why we should do these things. He just says do it. And so I want to make things easy by just taking one of them. And since we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving this week, which one do you think it might be? Yeah, that's an easy one. Think with me first about the attitude of gratitude. Because in giving thanks, we're to continually give thanks unto God. This is God's will for every believer, for all of his people. We should try and translate the word thanksgiving into thanksgiving. Because at all times, in all seasons, for all things, we're to give thanks. In the psalm, Psalm 34.1, the psalmist writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. So even the Old Testament echoes this. And all times means good days and also bad days. And bad days do come. 
They do come. You know you're having a bad day when your grandchild comes up to you and says, it's impossible to flush an orange down the toilet. That's a bad day. You know you're having a bad day if, if you have a twin brother or sister and they forget your birthday. That's a bad day. You know it's a bad day when you need to, to cut a little piece of paper and your wife's cloth-cutting scissors are there. And you know you shouldn't, but you grab them anyway and you get caught. That's going to be a bad day. But we ought to be able to give thanks because for the believer in Jesus Christ, Thanksgiving should be our first response. In Luke 17, there's a story of the ten lepers who came to Jesus who wanted to be healed. They stood at a distance. They called out to Jesus to heal them. And you may recollect how it turned out. One of them, one out of ten, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Those ten with a deadly disease, they were, they were considered outcasts, right? They had to stay away from people. They were cured by the Lord Jesus Christ. They went away rejoicing, but only one of them came back to give thanks. One out of ten. And it's clearly pointed out this was a Samaritan. This was a a, a foreigner despised by the Jews. And I'm, I'm certain all of them were thankful. They were grateful for what happened. But only one came back and fell on his face before Jesus and said, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me and delivering me. It's by the grace of God and the goodness of God that we are able to give thanks. As a matter of fact, our English word for the word gratitude has the same root as the word grace. They they come from a Latin word. What can you say? Grace and gratitude are twins. So we, we shouldn't get so busy. We shouldn't be in such a hurry that we don't pause to praise. Also in our English language, the words think and thank have the same root. Not Latin this time, but the same old English, English word is what they have in common. So when we think, when we stop, when we reflect on the grace of God in our lives, we should automatically say thank you. How many times do blessings pass us by day by day and we don't think about it? And how grateful we should be for the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our lives as children of God should be one of thankfulness. Many times we we get a gift. We get something good. And we think it's because we we earned it or we deserve it. We do not give thanks. It's, It's far better to live a life of thanksgiving. And then our eyes are open to, to all the blessings around us. And not only for ourselves, but we can also help others see their blessings. Did you hear about the guy? He went home with a friend one day after work. His buddy walked in the door and he told his wife how beautiful she looked. And they sat down to dinner and he, he praised the meal and everything. And the food was so amazing. And when they were going out the door, the, the friend asked him about this. And he said, well, happy wife, happy life. Right? The more good things I say, it makes my wife happy. It makes everything better. I'm just a little bit thankful. 
and she deserves it. It makes our marriage happier. So the, the friend decided he was going to try this at his house. So he went home, and he walked in the door, and his wife had had a hard day. He could see that. But he told her how beautiful she looked. And they were sitting down for dinner, and he said the food looked, looked amazing. He couldn't wait to eat it. And she started crying. He said, honey, what's the matter? She said, well, our son, our son got in a fight at school today, and, and the refrigerator quit, and most of the food is spoiled. I did the best I could, and now you've come home drunk. <laughs> Took you a second, didn't it? The lesson <laughs> is it can take some time to see the blessings around us because we, we, can grow through, we go through life jaded, jaded, right? We, we feel nothing is going our way. And that's when we're missing what God is doing in us and around us. I, I heard about an elderly lady who was bowing her head to, to pray for her food. And she just said, thank you, Lord, for these vittles, right? Thank you for these vittles. And someone was there and they said, lady, what are vittles? And she said, well, it's, it's not just the food, but these are the blessings God gives me, my food to eat. And the person said, well, the, the food was already there. Don't, don't you know you're going to have the food to eat, whether you thank God for it or not? And she said, well, perhaps so, but everything tastes better when I'm thankful. And in life, everything goes better. Everything tastes better when we're thankful. Not just our food, but relationships and everything else. Psychologists will tell you that gratitude, thanksgiving, is, is probably the healthiest of all human emotions. It's been said that gratitude produces more positive emotional energy than any other attitude in life. It's the antidote for negative emotions and negative experiences. Whether it's bitterness, fear, anxiety, discouragement, or depression. In everything, if we can give thanks, this can counteract and challenge the damaging and destructive emotions of, of daily living. Daily living is stressful. And it's been said that a thankful heart enjoys a blessing twice. Whenever it, it sees the blessing, right, you receive the blessing, and then when you remember the blessing, so when we are continually thankful for these blessings, we can remember them, and as we remember them, we are enjoying them again and again and again. And it changes us. And this is the attitude of gratitude. In everything, we're to give thanks. We probably know there's, there's some gratitude busters, right? Some things that work against us. I just want to mention a few, but there's more. One thing that will destroy this is conceit, pride. It's the attitude that says, you know, I, I worked for it, so I deserve it, I earn it, and it, it's owed me. It's owed me in life. But remember Proverbs sixteen eighteen, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride also comes before a great deal of disappointment. Pride will destroy thanksgiving and the attitude of gratitude in your life. Something else that destroys gratitude is a critical spirit, uh, what we might call pettiness. Constantly complaining, it's, it's easy to find fault. That robs us of our joy, doesn't it? But thanksgiving is a habit. It's a good habit. 
A critical spirit is, is a habit also. A critical spirit finds fault. Someone who is constantly critical, never satisfied, never content. Rather than being humbly grateful, this person is grumbly hateful. And many people are like that. They're just, they're just never happy. They're never satisfied because they're always finding fault. But the Bible says there's always a reason to give thanks. And by the way, we shouldn't grumble because you don't have what you want, but we should be thankful that we don't get what we deserve when we think about God's mercy and grace. Pride will kill this attitude, a critical spirit will, and so will carelessness. So often we, we, we can get accustomed to our blessings, and we get used to them. But think about it. What if the stars, what if the stars only came out one night a year, and we could see them? Boy, that night, every year, we would be out there looking at them, wouldn't we? And so we often take for granted the blessings of life, even some of the wonderful blessings. The children of Israel were in the desert. They were having a hard time before they got to the promised land. God promised. He said, I'll get you there. I'm going to take you there. And he provided for them in a miraculous way. He sent manna from heaven to sustain them, to strengthen them. Every morning they got up, there was fresh manna on the ground. All they had to do was collect it and eat it. When they first received it, they were so excited. They were so blessed. But they got used to it. And as time went on, they they probably got tired of it. Think of the little boy that got up. He said, Mom, what's for breakfast? Manna. What's for lunch? Manna. What's for dinner? You know the answer. But think of all the wonderful ways to cook manna. Manna hotcakes, manna meatballs, even manna cotti. They still make that last one today. God even gave them water in the desert. But they grumbled and their jubilation at leaving bondage behind in Egypt led some of them to start complaining. This, this got so bad, they, some started thinking, you know, We'd be better off back in Egypt. Things would be better off back there as slaves. But God even led them so they knew where to go. Do you remember that? He led them personally. There was a, it's called a pillar. Think of it as a column of a whirlwind by day. And at night, it turned into a column of fire. And when it moved, they followed. And when it stopped, they camped. They had just witnessed the ten plagues. They had seen the Red Sea part and then destroy the Egyptian army, the chariots coming to destroy them. They had miracles every day. But they got used to it, and they were no longer satisfied. They grumbled. We need to give thanks with a grateful heart. In everything, give thanks. I also want you to think with me, second, about the altitude of gratitude. There's an old saying, an old statement. It's, it's not your aptitude, but your attitude that determines your altitude. And let me add that it's your gratitude that determines your altitude. Gratitude can absolutely change our lives. It can alter our perspective as we go through life. 
I heard about a college co-ed who wrote her parents the following letter. Dear Mom and Dad, I'm sorry I've been so long in writing. Unfortunately, all my stationery was destroyed the night our dorm was set on fire by demonstrators. I'm out of the hospital now, and the doctors say my eyesight should return sooner or later. The wonderful boy, Bill, who rescued me from the fire, kindly offered to share his apartment with me until my dorm room was rebuilt. He comes from a grand family, so you, you won't be surprised when I tell you we're going to be married in a short while. In fact, since you've always wanted a grandchild, you'll be glad to know you'll be grandparents next month. P.S. P.S. There was no fire. I haven't been to the hospital. I'm not pregnant, and I don't even have a boyfriend, but I did get a D in French and an F in chemistry. I just wanted you to receive the news in perspective. Gratitude can change your perspective. You can grumble and gripe, or you can glory in the presence of God. After all, in heaven, this, this will be a part of our life. Maybe we should think about practicing now. Because praise and thanksgiving here will lift us into the heavenlies. Sometimes we feel, we feel like life is closing in on us. We feel like the doors are shut. We, we feel we're in an airtight compartment. And we can't get out. We need to praise God. All too often we need, we need more to give thanks. Because sometimes we feel we need more to give thanks. Right? We need more. Money, possessions, stuff, whatever it is. We need more to give thanks. But we really just need to give more thanks. And thanksgiving enlarges our lives. Think about it. The more I am thankful, the larger will be the range of my blessings. The more my eyes will be opened. If I limit my gratitude, then my life becomes narrow and small. My, my perspective, what I see, will be limited. If I build fences around my life to protect it, if I think I have to, to protect my blessings, my life will be very small. My life becomes selfish. And the altitude of thanksgiving lifts me up and helps me to look beyond myself and to see more. We should, we should think about reading the Psalms, because in the Psalms we see praise and thanksgiving. The writers of the Psalms are thanking God for things on the earth. They're thanking God for material blessings, for spiritual blessings, for joy, for sorrow, the, the whole range, the whole gamut of human emotions are open in the Psalms. And I've noticed that those whom, whom I'm considered spiritual giants, people who, who have taken the world, women and men who have taken the world for Jesus, have grateful and gracious hearts. God has lifted them, and he's enlarged them, and he's strengthened them in this. And I believe the reason for this is because they're not just focused on material things, but their gaze is on eternity. They're, they're looking past this world with all of its limitations. They're looking past it, and they're looking past this life. The Apostle Paul sums it up best when he says to the Corinthians, So we, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so it comes down to this. What are we looking at? 
What are we looking at? Where do we focus our attention? And I want to share something with you from my heart. When I was a kid, we had a half hour of the local news during dinner, and then a half hour of the CBS evening news. Walter Cronkite. How many remember? How did he end every newscast? And that's the way it is. When he said it, we believed it. There wasn't any doubt. Now, the news is on 24-7, and all kinds of different flavors, right? All kinds of news. And I worry we've, we've become too focused on this. This doesn't mean I'm, I'm the proverbial ostrich with my head in the sand. I do want to keep up on world events. I do know what's happening. But we can become so focused on, on the daily problems, on the things we hear about, not, not just in, you know, around us, but in our state, in, in our country, and in our world. And then we're not able to focus on the blessings and things of God. As Paul said, we have to fix our eyes not on what is seen. We have to perceive eternal things through faith. It's hard to be thankful if we only keep our gaze on the things around us. And that's, that's the problems around us. But these things are going to pass away. And as we heard earlier, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It's by praising and thanksgiving that our capacity to receive God's blessing is enriched and enlarged. And it's, it's our ability, ability to receive greater blessing. When we pray, we're, we're constantly adding to our prayer list, right? Things we need to pray for. But do we have a praise list? Are there things we're, we're thanking God for? And not just recent ones, but from the past. And I, I, it, it's not always easy to praise God. When you're stuck in traffic, when you're late for work, for an appointment, it's hard to praise and thank God. When the doctors give you a report for something that either you weren't expecting or is bad news, something that you hadn't hoped for, it's not easy to praise God when, when someone walks out on you. There are many times in our lives when it's humanly impossible. Humanly impossible. But let's remember, God will never ask us to do anything he will not enable us to do. And so it is God's will for us to give thanks. And according to our Bible verse here, he will strengthen us to do it. To give thanks in the middle, in the midst of everything, even at the midnight hour, the darkest moment, it's possible for God's people. And the thanksgiving doesn't change the circumstances. But we need the altitude of gratitude. Because with thanksgiving, it will change me. It changes my perspective. Praise and thanksgiving gets, gets me off the ground. It gets me out. And it gets me into the heavenlies, into the glories, where I can see things with new eyes. And even sometimes through the tears. I can see a sovereign God who loves me, who cares for me, who has a perfect plan for my life, who is over all and above all. 
That's the altitude of gratitude, to get up where he is. There's a third idea I, I think we find here. I want us to think for a few moments about the, the latitude of gratitude. And by latitude, I mean the width of it. How wide is it? In, in the book of Acts, there's a story of a Philippian jailer. In Acts 16, he, he came to Jesus Christ, he and his family. If you know the story, how did the jailer come to know Christ? Some people think, well, there, there was an earthquake, and it scared him to death, and he thought he better get right with God. Well, no, it wasn't the earthquake. The earthquake caused him to want to commit suicide. Let me read it for you. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. In that time, if you were a jailer, well, in a lot of positions, you could make a lot of money by taking bribes. And so that would be easy for the jailer. And the way the authorities got around it is they made the jailer responsible for every prisoner, a life for a life, if that prisoner escaped. So why did that jailer come to Jesus along with his family? Well, there were two men in there, Paul and Silas. They had been imprisoned. At that hour of the night, they were praising God. They were singing hymns of praise and thanksgiving to God. When the earthquake came, they were released from their bonds like everyone else. They were able to give their testimony of thanksgiving to lead the Philippian jailer to Jesus Christ. Why? Because thanksgiving is a testimony that extends the love of God to others. When we realize our blessings, when we share that with others, that's a testimony of God's love. We're a blessing to other people. We should share our blessings. It's, it's far better to be a blessing because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. The latitude of gratitude is, is the joy of expressing our thanks. We extend the grace, the goodness of God to others. And the moment we receive a blessing, it's, it's natural to say thank you. We want to say thank you, and then we should share it with someone else. And there are different ways we can share the grace of God. One is by singing. In, in the Psalm, Psalm 28, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I in help. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song I will praise him. You may remember the, the book of Psalms, 150 of them. Those are songs. Those are all songs. We just don't have the notes. We'll find out someday. We praise God with the testimony we sing. The Psalms are songs of praise. The psalmist also tells us, forget not all his benefits. Let's not, let's not forget everything that God has done. In 2 Chronicles 20, it tells of a time when, when the enemies of God's people banded together. They got together. They wanted to attack and destroy Jerusalem. And King Jehoshaphat sent out the army... But notice who goes first. 
In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 21, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they begin to sing and praise the Lord, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord said ambushes against their enemies. He, he literally fought against their enemies, and they had the victory. They didn't even have to fight. And who went first? The singers. The band. And by singing, we share the latitude of gratitude. By sharing, we give the latitude of gratitude. By giving to others. We're, we're not to give grudgingly, but with thanksgiving. It's, it's a privilege to give to the church. It's not something we have to do. It's something we're privileged to do. The ministry of the church, not only in this community, but around the world. There are other ways to give. When we help our, our family, our neighbors, our, our community. I, I, I don't need to tell you again what a needy world we live in. To forget about ourselves, to live for others rather than just ourselves, that's the wideness of gratitude. Another way to share is to share the latitude is, is by sharing. The greatest cause of thanksgiving in my life is the day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'll be forever grateful for this indescribable gift, the unspeakable gift of Jesus for eternal life in Him. But the next greatest moment is when I have the privilege of sharing with others. If we're having problems with the latitude of gratitude, we might want to ask, when was the last time we shared? And I, I don't mean lecturing someone, but living out your Christian life. Being willing just to share a few words when it's appropriate. Because life's possibilities, they unfold before us when we're grateful. And what a wonderful time it is to give thanks by sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. Thirteen years before his conversion, John Wesley, John Wesley, he had a conversation one night with a porter. Now that's, that's an older term. But a porter is a person who, who helps move your luggage, like a, a train terminal or a motel. And what this individual said impressed John Wesley, showing him that there was more to Christianity than he thought. The porter only had one coat. He had eaten no food that day. Yet his heart was full of gratitude to God. Wesley said to him, and I hope you can catch the sarcasm, he said, you thank God when you have nothing to wear, nothing to eat, and no bed to lie upon. What else do you thank him for? Wow. And Wesley was a spiritual person. He was a religious man. The porter said, I thank him that he has given me my life and being and a heart to love him and a desire to serve him. Wesley was a religious person, but he wasn't a Christian yet. That porter had a tremendous influence on his life. And today, all Methodists and Wesleyan churches trace their start to John Wesley and the impact he made on Christianity in England. But Wesley himself was changed by people like this porter who taught him the meaning of thankfulness. Let's rejoice on this Lord's Day as we look forward to our Thanksgiving holiday. For in doing so, our, our attitude, our altitude, and our latitude 
all reflect a grateful heart. And according to our scripture, it's, it's not just for one day a year, but it's for every day and throughout the day. As we give thanks and as our lives reflect this. Let me pray. Gracious God, again, thank you for your word. There are times it looks impossible. <laughs> it seems beyond our capability. But it, it is. It is beyond human ability or understanding. And we pray for spiritual insight and understanding and the ability to live lives of thanksgiving. Lord, we're just grateful for the opportunity to gather to worship. Be with those who couldn't make it on this day. Help us to show, help us to show by our lives, our words, our attitudes, that we are your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.